Welcome back to the Pastor's Cut Podcast. This is the podcast for the week of Sunday, August 6th, 2023. For that particular Sunday morning, I believe Darren has me slated to be filling the pulpit. Hey! Hey! (laughs) So you get maybe an advanced hint of a couple of things that I'll be touching on, as well as a lot of other good tips uh, for your community groups. Now, if you're listening the week that we're recording this, the last week of July, There are a lot of things going on in our church in short order. Tomorrow night, we have a uh, drillers game that we're going to as a family. Friday night is a big men's event. There's going to be over 100 men coming, hearing uh, Clay Martin speaking to us. He's an NFL ref, and so it'll be a fun time there. In a couple weeks, there's a ladies' brunch on August 13th. On August 23rd, we are having our vision night for... Those of you who listen primarily to the Pastors Cut podcast, for anyone who's teaching or involved in adult community groups with students, with children, with preschool, if you're volunteering in any of those groups, we want you to be there so you can hear what's happening in the life of our church for the next 12 months. So as we're recording this podcast, we're experiencing pretty hot weather for Tulsa. Just a little. Just just a little bit. <laughs> so Marissa, what does your family do to stay cool? Oh my goodness. Um uh, what are we doing to stay cool? Is anybody actually staying cool? I know it probably pales in comparison to what you guys experienced in Phoenix, but uh, it's just like, man, just leave the lights off and pray that the air conditioning doesn't quit. <laughs> I think it's all that we can do. When I grew up in Oregon, we didn't have air conditioning, but that only affected us like twice a summer maybe. And we'd go to the wow. movies, we'd go hang out at the mall. So if it push comes to shove, that's what we'll do is uh, escape to better air conditioning that's not you know, in a hundred year old house, but we're, we're surviving. Good. (laughs) Yeah. When I first moved here, I I was schooled rather quickly on air conditioning units and the type of air conditioner they have here is not the same type that they have in Arizona. Oh, really? It's weird. Like they actually are physically labeled. The units are labeled themselves. Do not sell in the Southwest and the Southwest units are labeled do not sell in the Midwest. Interesting. I know it's, it's, I've always heard it's a different kind of heat. I'm (laughs) guessing that the air conditioning units work differently. The optimal temperature out there for the air conditioning units to work is about 110 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. The optimal temperature here for air conditioners to work is about 90 degrees. Ah, so it sounds like we're about to need to switch over to the, uh, the Phoenix model. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Goodness. (laughs) Um, so stay cool. If you're listening to this this week, do whatever you can do to stay cool. Um, my family, much like yours, we'll just stay indoors. We'll close windows. We'll close the blinds. We'll do what we can just to hang out, turn the fans on, and pray. The yeah. air conditioning unit Hydrate. keeps going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. So we're looking today at Hebrews chapter 10. And as we're looking at that passage, there's, there's a lot of information in a short amount of space. Yeah. I'll be preaching on Sunday morning just looking at 19 through 25. But Darren has slated for the conversation for the morning to go from 19 all the way to 39. And so I'm hoping we can have some good conversations to get you some starters for conversations for the whole passage. With that, because there's so much and there's some heavy content in the middle of it, too. Mm. 
maybe we should pray for this one. Okay, do it. (laughs) (laughs) God, Lord, may your peace cover over Marissa and I as we talk about what's happening in this passage. And I pray for each of the community group leaders as they prepare to teach this lesson. I pray, Lord, that you would help them, give them extra tools to be able to communicate with grace, with mercy, help some of these difficult issues that the text raises to, to resonate and hit home with people at a deeper level. Ultimately, we want to know you more. And so help us to know you more and walk with you more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All righty. So with that, I think let's go ahead and divide it up into, let's just tackle the first part and the second part, 19 through 25, and then we'll tackle 26 through 39. All right. So the very first thing that jumps out at me is just the opening um, for us by the curtain. Um, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open for us through the curtain. And that tearing of the veil that uh, the author of Hebrews says, that was the body of Jesus torn. Um, and the separation between God and humanity was taken away. So now we can come to God. And if, if you haven't been listening to our podcast for the past few weeks, go back and listen to that. We can talk about the Holy of Holies and what it meant for the priest to enter in during the Day of Atonement and all that. But that separation was completely removed. So now we can go in Uh, with confidence. We don't need a rope tied around our waist. We don't need to wait for the Day of Atonement. We can go in boldly and with freedom whenever we need God. It also signals this idea that's called the the, uh, democratization of sanctification, which I really love, uh, that God's presence Mm. flows from the Holy of Holies at that moment when when Christ's sacrifice was complete, so that uh, the prophecy of Zechariah was fulfilled. Zechariah 14.21 says that not only the items sanctified for holy use in the Holy of Holies um, will be consecrated for use in God's service, but every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty. So it's just this, this opening up, this free-flowing of God's presence throughout the world so that it doesn't just reside in the tabernacle, it doesn't just reside in the Holy of Holies and the temple, but it resides in every believer in Christ, so that we're each a tabernacle walking throughout the world Uh, We're each containing the presence of God that flows freely throughout the world. I just think that's a really beautiful image. And the fact that the curtain is torn is really significant, too, that it's not, you know, kind of pinned to the side or taken down so that it might someday be put back up. Mm -hmm. But uh, Charles Spurgeon really likes that emphasis that between those who are in Christ Jesus and the great God, there will never be another separation. Mm. I like that. As I look at that, and you know, I love that you, you mentioned every individual, every believer can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Mm-hmm. I look at the, the words that the author of Hebrews is using, 15 times he uses first-person plural, mm. we, our. So in just a short span of verses, there's an emphasis of every believer. We're in this together. Right. But I also am looking, now a lot of it sounds like Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, and there's also some parallels that are going on there because the author of Hebrews is, is working towards rounding out towards the end of his argument and transitioning to a new phase of summing things up. And, and so next week, I'm sure we'll go that direction. But for this week, as he's rounding things up and he's recapping what he's already said as well as saying a couple of new things, he stacks on top of himself three if statements and then says, because of that, let us, and says that three times mm. as well. So I find it fascinating that there's there's both this set of, well, this is who Jesus is, and this is who Jesus is, mm-hmm. and this is who Jesus is. 
therefore, we can do this, and we can do this, and we can do this. Right. Yeah, he's kind of like Virgil leading us deeper and deeper into the truths of God. I, yeah, I really like that. And now, and now, and now, we can do this because of this, because of this. And you can sense his excitement in this part of the letter. Yes, very much so. And so if I were you as a community group leader, I'd almost just ask the question, he's, he's stacking a lot of things on top of each other. Who is he saying that Jesus is? Because it's worth unpacking who exactly Jesus is to understand if Jesus is, are these things, and Jesus, or Jesus is these things that the author of Hebrews is suggesting. That's why we get to approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's mm. why we get to hold on with a steadfast faith. That's why we get to embrace each other in community. Mm-hmm. And then maybe talk about community a little bit. I mean, that's that's a big chunk of the passage with the emphasis on we and the emphasis on verse 24 and 25, community itself. Mm-hmm. And I love the, um, the new and living way um, that this mediation doesn't occur just once a year at the Day of Atonement mm. or when sacrifices for guilt are being made, that, uh, that the mediations of, of the great priest of the Son of God are ongoing. So it's like we're immersed in this ongoing, never-ending river of forgiveness whenever we see the words new and living, like new and living water. Um, so we're not just forgiven when we do something wrong. We're bathed in the blood of Jesus. We're bathed in that forgiveness. We never get a chance to let the guilt stick to us because we're always being cleansed. Verse 22, so let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So that's a a vision, an image of baptism, Mm -hmm. but not the rite of baptism, but what's happening inside, what baptism represents, that we are fully immersed in this ongoing mediation, ongoing forgiveness and atonement, because the mediation of our great priest is ongoing and never-ending. Absolutely, yes. Now, for the sake of time, because I want to keep us on track with everything, (laughs) I want to jump ahead to verses 26 through 39. Before I do so, is there anything else you've got? Oh, man, yeah, but we can skip it. Let's go on. Okay. Let's do it. We'll go on. (laughs) Let's, Let's move on to the second half. Now, the second half starts with something really complex. The author says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So I don't, I would really honestly wrestle with this in community group. Mm. I might even go as far as to ask the question, is the author of Hebrews here saying that we can lose our salvation? Yeah, and you know we kind of addressed this um, a few weeks ago when we went through the the tough passage of mm-hmm. uh, was that Hebrews five. Um, uh, for, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong; if that's the wrong chapter. But um, but yeah, this is this is the idea that um, if you try to absolve yourself and reconcile to God through another way, through the old covenant or uh, through sacrifice for sins, that path just no longer exists. It's been fulfilled. There's nothing fruitful from uh, from having faith in oneself or mm-hmm. one's abilities or that old kind of checks and balances system that was e- more easily to quantify maybe, but, uh, but is no longer a, um, a fruitful system. Yes, absolutely. I, I, in the greater context of things, I think we can't take this out of the fact that he's talking to a bunch of Jewish Christians who come from a Jewish background who 
are still being tempted to go back into Jewish law and Jewish rituals as the way to experience God, which is why the author of Hebrews summarized, if Jesus was the fulfillment of, of prophecy, if Jesus was the one who, who took care of all of the consequences of sin as the ultimate price, mm-hmm. then we can trust that. We can lean into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, verse 39. You know, every time the author of Hebrews talks about these really intense warnings against rejecting God, rejecting Christ, he always reassures the readers of this particular letter mm-hmm. and says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So they're part of the community of faith. They're part of this, uh, this contingent of the saved. They don't need to worry about those greater warnings. What he's talking about here is something much more uh, harsh and severe um, people who are shown the path to God and just utterly reject it, not just for themselves, but I believe those who reject it so harshly and insult the Spirit so harshly that they discourage others from following that path. Um, I think that, mm-hmm. that we have all um, you know, seen people who are almost anti-evangelistic, who are militantly atheistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think this refers to those who not only reject Jesus as themselves, the Jesus message themselves, but, um, but discourage other people as well. Um, it, it's deeper than this discouragement that the Hebrew Christians are experiencing. It's a forsaking of Christ that renounces the gospel and disgraces the Son of God. But we've learned from, you know, uh, St. Peter <laughs> that, you know, who denied Christ, who practically spit in his face. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we know from the story of Lazarus, who was dead but was risen, um, that even those who reject God in this such a severe, insulting way um, that there's hope even for these people. I can't help but place this in the greater context of what the author of Hebrews is saying just the two verses before as, as he says, let us consider how we together may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Now, I added that first together in there, but he does include it in the second one. Mm -hmm. Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I can't help but wonder if there's something about community that that plays a crucial role in encouraging each other and, and reminding ourselves that we aren't the ones that shrink back, that we can continually find grace and mercy through Jesus as the superior pathway. We don't have to rely on ourselves to earn our way to God. We don't have to rely on ourselves as individuals. We don't have to go hide away. Mm-hmm. We can keep encouraging each other. And there's something about that being connected with each other that will help even reinforce that. Right. And this is exactly what the author of Hebrews is doing, right? He's leading by, by example. Mm-hmm. There's this discouraged group of Christians um, that have forgotten their hope, that have begun to withdraw from community, that have begun to withdraw because of that from Jesus. And the author of this book is is reaching out to them, leading by example. And the problem at the core of, of the Hebrew uh, Christians in this book are that they've lost this intimate relationship with Jesus that they had once, but they've kind of forgotten what that feels like. They needed to be reminded to draw near to God again, how to do that. Um, And uh, this drawing near to God was the whole point of the religious endeavor, whether it be the old covenant law Mm -hmm. or the new covenant, that was the whole point. And they knew that. And, and, uh, you know, that's what the discouragement was, this lack of intimacy. And when we... um, I think that's really relatable 
that when we're discouraged, the first thing we do is withdraw from community. Um, that it's very difficult to see other people who mm-hmm. still have that intimacy with God and seemingly have it so effortlessly, you know, because when we're discouraged, you know, other people's joy, other people's uh, uh, intimacy with God seems so easy to, yeah. for them. Um, and that's very painful to sit amongst when we are in pain, when we're grieving, when we're discouraged. Um, uh, when we're discouraged in our walk, many of us withdraw from the church and it's hard to sit uh, beside other people who have joy when you don't. Um, but it's very important not to withdraw completely. But, but always remember, uh, in verse 23 is so important, that God's sitting with you in that pain, that he knows that it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees you, he understands, he's faithful to be with you and sit with you in that. But just like Hagar in the wilderness, who God sees and understands so completely, uh, you know, he sent her back to the camp. Um, she was escaping from the abuse that she was suffering from her community, you know? Mm. Um, and sometimes being in community is something you have to persevere. Um, sometimes it's difficult, but that's where we grow and we're nourished, even when it's difficult, even when it's imperfect. And in our church community, you know, it was since we all have this common love for Christ and we're all indwelled by the Spirit, our community should have our best interest at heart. You know, we're not, we're not like Kagar in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our community has been called to lift us up and encourage us in our difficulties so that even if being in community is perseverance at first, we'll be rewarded by this increased strength and increased faith and joy and relief as our burdens are shared by those around us. And, and we'll remember our first love again. Uh, we'll remember um, that intimacy and why we were bonded together in the first place. And we'll see Jesus through our community. And the intimacy with both our community and Jesus will no longer be this painful memory. But before we know, it'll become a present reality again. Mm. That right there is good. I think for the sake, not just for the sake of time, I, there's, there's, so much, there's so many issues that we have in the passage. We could go mm-hmm. on and, and talk about some other things. Do you have any other stuff, any other ideas that you would like to address from the passage? Mm-hmm. I think the, the the one thing that I always go back on, because it's the one thing that I need to hear the most, is that uh, that hope in verse 23 speaks of um, that God's love for me and his faithfulness to me is not contingent on the strength of my faith, because my faith is not in my own faithfulness, Mm -hmm. but in God's faithfulness. So even if I don't feel strong, even if I don't feel God's presence, his love and presence isn't contingent on that. Um, He, his love endures and his presence endures. And uh, I think that's, that's exactly what we need to be reminding one another of. That's what we need to be holding ourselves up to. And, um, and reminding uh, our fellow community group members of is just that God's love and his presence is there even in the moments, especially in the moments when we don't feel it. Absolutely, yes. As I was looking at at some finer nuances of of the passage, that that sense of we can hold on to the hope, Hmm. um, there's something about that that's fully grounded in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, not based on us. Our, right. our whole grounds for having hope, our grounds for clinging to that or grasping that is 100% based on what God has done and continues to do in our lives. And so that's something he'll tease out more in Hebrews 11 and he transitions to rather quickly. 
But that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's the hope. That's the 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 life lived most fully is when we can fully understand that our hope is not in ourselves, our worthiness, our faith, but in a, a God whose love never changes and never goes away from us. Yes. Um, that's where freedom is. That's that cleansing of conscience that the author of Hebrews is talking about. And that's what he desperately wants for this group of Christians and for us. Yes, absolutely. And so I would almost land the plane for your community group by asking, how can we, can, how can we as a group encourage each other to continually go back to that place, whether we are doing okay or whether we feel wounded and hurt and are struggling even to see that because of whatever we're walking through and pray for each other to experience God's grace and God's mercy. Mm. So with that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you and may he grant you peace. Amen. Amen. Blessings, friends. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.